Tom. Peter! You famously don't have kids. Uh, famously? <laughs> Did you just check the LA Times today? I'm on the front again. All these paparazzi. I, hey, where are your kids? Where are your kids? <laughs> I need to know how you feel about children's... But you are, you are a, a story time for Danny. What's no what young storytellers? Story and I love yes. my friends' kids. I just don't have kids myself, yeah. but I love kids. Right. Okay. Where do you stand on children's television programming? I don't know much about it. Usually, it when I try to sit down and watch something like when um, Finian was growing up, it it usually is just sort of like white noise. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't really access. There's one show that I've actually watched a little bit as an adult that was for kids and it lowered my anxiety. And that was Blue's Clues. Oh, Steve. There was something extremely calming yeah. about that show. And every once in a while, if I was in really rough shape, I would watch Blue's Clues like a real creep and it would calm me down. Yeah. Well, um, Why do I, I think that's wonderful. I ask because I've been thinking a lot about it lately. I had this conversation with my kids and they we were talking about children's programming. Mm-hmm. and they had one that they remembered as causing them great anxiety, oh, no. not their words, but mine, but they sure. really did not relate to it. And it, I never related to it either, but I thought they were, it was on PBS. They were supposed to love it because PBS, yeah. right? I grew up with PBS. This is amazing. So we, we listened to the ones that they, they really responded well to, uh, Sid the Science Kid. They have good memories of that. Word World, you know, Word World. Let's build a, let's build a word where letters just fall from the sky. And then when animals push them together, that becomes an anthropomorphized thing like oh. look there's dog on the field let's push dog together and suddenly you have a dog that's body is made of those letters oh that's, that's fun. world all the way it's very cute okay dinosaur train uh baby toronto i've heard of Rex dino train egg ends up in a pteranodon nest yep cute fish out of water story works well the one that gave us i think friend of the show jj's kids were big dino train people if i remember big dino train fans yeah so uh the one that gives us trouble was the cat in the hat Sure. Do you know about Do you know about that? Because he knows a lot about that. The Cat in the Hat. I saw part of the Michael Myers Cat in the Hat, and I haven't <laughs> slept since. <laughs> do you know the story of the Cat in the Hat? Yeah, he the kids are alone, and he comes over with thing one yeah. and thing two, and like destroys the entire Little house. Sociopath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And the fish is constantly saying, "Please don't do this." Mostly because these are latchkey kids. Their parents, nobody knows where their parents are, <laughs> and uh, so the kids are sitting at home in the rain. Parents are gone, and the Cat in the Hat comes in to show them a good time. And it's essentially James Gum coming in to tell him to put the lotion on the skin, or else he gets the hose again. <laughs> and uh, so, that part, and he but... <laughs> says in the beginning. He says, come on, get in my car. Get in my, and, and, and it's really oh. pleasant. In the in the show, it's played by uh, Martin Short. You know, oh. big fans of Martin Short. He is the voice of the cat in the hand. Oh, your mom won't care if we do. Get in my car. Your mom won't care if we do. That Literally, those oh. are the words. Whoa. And the thingamajigger is the car. And it is horrible. Horrible. I, I It gives me great anxiety. Because of the stranger, stranger danger? Over. Or, yes, it's yeah. a, it is a show that celebrates stranger danger. <laughs> it takes these kids into this fantastic world, and thing one and thing two are the little sociopathic minions. I did not I, I have constantly thought this is not a show we should be watching. No. It's just, it, it gives you, and and to be celebrated by my own kids right. who tell me, yeah, of course that was terrible. Like we have horrible memories of that show when we were watching it as as young humans. Was that on, a, then, on an offshoot PBS grooming? <laughs> <laughs> No. So I I then started searching for uh please I I need some resource that 
that will actually actually say I'm right, oh. that it's actually not right. Yeah. And, and there are so few of those. There aren't any until I found this article uh, by Louis Menand in The New Yorker. Okay. Bless The New Yorker. His article, Cat People, What Dr. Seuss Really Taught Us. And uh, <laughs> essentially, uh, it, uh, pardon me for reading, uh, <laughs> every reader of The Cat in the Hat will feel that the story revolves around a piece of withheld information. What private demons or desires compelled this mother to leave two young children at home all day with the front door unlocked under the supervision <laughs> of a fish? <laughs> Terrible as the cat is, the woman is lucky that her children do not fall prey to some more insidious intruder. The mother's abandonment is the psychic wound for which the antics of the cat make so useless a palliative. The children hate the cat. They take no joy in his stupid pet tricks, and they resent his attempt to distract them from what they really want to be doing, which is staring out the window for a sign of their mother's return. Next to that consummation, a cake on a rake is a pretty feeble entertainment. It goes on and on just roasting yeah. the cat in the hat. And this is the original book. It is made worse in the cartoon because they try to make the kids happy. And that context shift is bonkers. Yeah. He does every every week he parks his car in their yard and the kids come out and he says, let's go into the woods and see if we can make paper out of a tree. And, let's and then he says, your mother won't mind if we do. Uh, and it's so, he's such a little sociopath. Everyone knows you don't get in the van and you never go to a second location. <laughs> especially if it's the woods. That's rule one and two. And rule three, the corollary, Martin Short is a lot. Yeah. I, okay, so <laughs> I'm switching over to PBS SVU from now on. <laughs> well, let me tell you a little something about me. When it's Saturday night, I need to blow off some steam. One, two, three, four! Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Metz III. And I'm Pete Wright. And every week, we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out, y'all. Send us the story of your anxieties to whatsthatsmell.net so we can do some research, talk about it in front of your faces, and all realize that we're not alone, and we'll figure out what all the smells are. Gross! Okay, great. So go to whatsthatsmell.net. And there's a big button that says submit your anxiety. You can be as anonymous as you want. That's it. With that, I think we should just start the show, Pete. Mm, okay. Pete, I have one word, five syllables for you. Oh, I saw you using like chism bop on your fingers. I thought that was some complex math. No, I had to count to five because okay. I'm an idiot. All Unprecedented. Right. Unprecedented. Pete. This episode is so unprecedented would you want to give the uh viewers a taste why pete ridiculously we decided that that on this subject we are not enough we are insufficient right we are less than we are and less so we brought than. in yes. guests we yes, have Tom. guests live in the studio that does not exist please let us uh have the honor of introducing the amazing Mandy's, Mandy Kaplan, Mandy Fabian. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. It is an honor for you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yep. Oh, see how different we are. Good Lord. <laughs> did I, 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 a point of order, I did not put any sort of uh, profanity warning 
in front of this okay. uh, episode. Probably safe to either yeah. do that or make it clear that we generally don't. Uh, yeah. We, we, don't, yeah. this we don't work blue. This isn't the you know, man's it's cave. Not a problem. I will talk slowly <laughs> and use small words. It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm right. not sure she knows what profanity yeah. is. <laughs> I don't think she knows what profanity is. Yeah, yeah. But we're just going to let her go. Uh, yes. Um, so, uh, Mandy's, you are both on our sister podcast, The Mand Cave, where you talk about amazing pop culture events and how you guys have nothing in common except your first names. The reason, you're probably wondering why did we bring you on i'm assuming this is my intervention mandy we love you yeah we're so sorry <laughs> yeah um we don't think you're drinking enough <laughs> we need you to pick it up Please. Um, pete and i as you may have heard are anxious people we suffer from anxiety and we're going to want to check in with you guys about your anxiety but the subject for today's episode has to do with the fact that even though we are anxious people we continually throw ourselves into situations filled with anxiety uh, as artists, both through performing and through creating, putting ourselves out there on the line in front of a cold and unforgiving public. And yet we truck in anxiety. And we were just sort of wondering if you have anxiety about stuff because you are both um, you are both uh you, Mandy, you have uh, work in voiceover, and you both have your own show called Both of You Work. I'm sorry. Both of you work in voiceover. Uh, both of you uh, are producers and directors. Uh, Mandy, you have a sh- sh- variety show that you put on once every three months. Uh, other Mandy, you do you want me to call you Other Mandy, or what's the best <laughs> way to do it? That sounds fine. It's not bad for my self-esteem okay. at all. Okay, I'll, well, you'll be Mandy Prime. You could call uh, us Mandy Prime. Mandy and are we not Mandy. going Alpha and Beta? Yeah, you. Mandy Prime has also uh, she is a film director and has also performed in the variety shows that uh, Secondary Mandy has put on. <laughs> so, with that being said, that's just to give a little bit of your credentials. But I guess what we want to talk about is: Do you suffer from anxiety? First, let's start with performing. If so, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And what do you do? What do you do to try to mitigate it? You nailed it because the whole the whole concern that uh, I have is is why why the hell do we do this when there is so much risk of people uh, getting real mad about just trying to be creative? And so I'm we're super curious about what you guys do. Uh, do and and Tom and I we had this conversation before. We said, well, you, I made the assumption. Well, of course they live with anxiety because. I live with anxiety. And Tom says, I don't know if they have anxiety. I don't know. I don't know if they actually live with anxiety. This this whole conversation may be very short. So uh, yeah, I think? succeeded at everything I've ever tried and yeah. been <laughs> lauded and validated and given awards. So I yeah. don't feel yeah. any anxiety. No? Good. What about right. you, Mandy? You know, I think I started doing performing and stuff so young that I didn't even I, I do get stage fright. But it wasn't, it just sort of, it was just something I was going to do anyway. Like, I always had to go on stage. I made these commitments and had to do it. So it kind of was something that, like, it feels like such a part of the performing that I don't necessarily identify it as anxiety. But I will tell you, I did start playing music and, and performing in a band and uh, that gave me so much anxiety that my hands would shake while I was playing guitar. Mm. Oh, during the performance. Oh. Yeah, like it was a weird thing. And it I, turns out those are like the worst parts to shake when you're playing the guitar. It's not helpful. <laughs> it's like if a dancer's feet 
shake. It's like, which, yeah. right. which actually would be a pretty cool that's, show. Yeah, that's pretty Now neat. that I think yeah, about it, someone just, should do that. That's just tap dancing. We're looking at you, Shakira. <laughs> I feel like she could pull that off. I think it's called Stomp, maybe. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I did. I had an issue that like I was choosing to go on stage. I, wa- I was booking myself for these things. I had been on stage my whole life, but for whatever reason, the nerves of playing guitar and singing in front of people was so bad that my hands would shake too much. I had to always have a secondary guitar player. Um, Do you have any idea wow. why that was the one that pushed you more or less over the edge um, or up to the edge? I, maybe just the beginner's mind of it all, like the whole because I had not played. And like, you know, like I said, I started performing really young, so I was used to that anxiety. And maybe the fact that it was now I was going to have to play an instrument. And you don't have to look far to see that people are more gifted guitar players than I am. And <laughs> so it was just kind of a thing of, am I really going to do? Th- um, and that's all it is. It's a little bit like, <laughs> like being able to take people on driving tours, but not be able to drive great. I don't know. Like it, like the guitar really is the thing when you're inviting people to a music show. And the fact that yeah. I wasn't very good at it, probably that's why my anxiety <laughs> was so, so bad. But I did because it wasn't a rational thing. I, I went to a, a, a hypnotherapist. You did. I did because I realized it, it wasn't even the being anxious. I could take the emotional thing, but it, the physical manifestation of it, the, the shaking of the hands. I went to a yeah. hypnotherapist because I was like, logically, I know that I'm not going to die. And I know that, you know, I've chosen to do this thing, but I can't stop my hands from shaking. So, so I went to a hypnotherapist and it worked. I still, and this is a theme with me, you know, wanted to shit my pants every day when I was supposed to go on stage and during rehearsal. Oh, I did it. I said, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's too late. It's, it's too late. Okay. It's down. The, the barn doors are and open. And the fact that you it's said okay. you wanted to S your peas rather than I was afraid <laughs> I would S my peas. You said I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was part of my That's pre-show ritual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a pre-show ritual. But like, I, I would still feel as crazy anxious, but I, I mm-hmm. the hands didn't shake anymore, which is all I needed. And to her credit, she had the best backup singer yeah. yep. in history in that band. Definitely. That's an inside joke right now. Are we that to was, assume? Just as was, an audience surrogate, it it's Mandy. because it was Tom, right? No, it was yep. Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> they were in the band together. Yes. I got, Tommy was I, oh, I got it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was Mandy's well, this only. Is, this is the thing, too. I mean, I remember, I think back to my very first, if I may, my very first <laughs> solo. <laughs> Fifth grade, Steel Elementary School. And uh, I had to stand up and sing a solo of Sweet Little Jesus Boy. <laughs> Whoa. In a public school? That wasn't, that was, it might have been a laugh line, but not a spit take, Tom. Yeah, I just didn't see. I think I was so set on Sweet Caroline when you said yeah. the word sweet yeah. that little Jesus boy yeah. is a hard left. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. right. So sweet Were Jesus you boy. in the yeah. South? Terrified. What? No, Colorado. Okay. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the, the universal reaction. And so there we were and I sang the song and I was absolutely, I never forget. I mean, I can, I'm just talking about it and I feel that experience in my gut. And yet I immediately decided I want to do that again. And I don't mm. understand that because most of the time, and it was terrible. Like I go back and I watch the, the horrible like handicam video of it and it's objectively terrible. Like it's just bad. Like, it's not like that, oh my gosh, we knew he would be a star from the start. Like, you watch that and you think, he will be great at a computer. You know, like, it's just, (laughs) 
never a thing. But I immediately <laughs> thought I knew, and and ended up making, you know, uh, you know, spending a lot of time singing over the next several decades, and still feel that same like gut wrenching paralysis mm. that I I've never really been able to to get over when I'm about to go on stage. Once I am on stage, I think I'm pretty good. Oh, but okay. So I think now, I think I finally learned, but... Did your singing get better? <laughs> no, uh, Pete, Pete and I sang together in college. He's an extraordinary singer. Oh, okay. You're very kind, yeah. Tom. I don't know. That's a, that's a bridge I don't too far, believe but I did, you, and I, did I think you should do more than words right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> All I prepared is sweet little Jesus uh, boy. Um, so, uh, but, but you know, this, this is even beyond that. It's even just like, uh, you know, doing standing up and just talking. Like, I, I think ultimately I'm pretty good on my feet and I, I can do it. But the, the nerves, you would think that the anxiety leading up to an event would be enough to steer me away from that event. And that's why you're here, because I'm so interested in that. And all three of you, right, Tom and Kaplan, you have uh, you have 30 nights to save your marriage, and I have no idea why you would decide to make and produce a movie, because just talking about you and your experience making that movie gives, gives, makes me want to ask my piece. <laughs> and Fabian, you're in the middle of, of the end of your own feature film, Jess Plus None. So you're at the end of that. I'm shitting my peas again. Oh, oh. I get it now. <laughs> I don't, I don't think are the so bad at this. <laughs> yeah, pa- pants wasn't the problem. <laughs> two down, two to go, Tommy. It's you and me. So I that is bizarre to me that there is so much anxiety wrapped up in it, and yet we still do this stupid thing. I experience different anxiety. I really do think I tap danced out of the womb, and I think I'm very comfortable Mm. singing and dancing and acting. Those things feed my soul. I get a tiny bit of nerves, and then it's like, now I'm doing what I was born to do, and it really makes Mm. me happy. What I get nervous for is being myself in front Uh. of an audience, or even like uh, people say, they say, Mandy, you're so funny. You should do stand-up. That's what they say. And I say, hell no. I could not stand up there as myself and basically beg for validation. And when I do my, <laughs> I won't call it a variety show, when I do my cabaret miscast, the thing I get nervous for is getting up and going, hi, welcome everybody. I'm Mandy Kaplan. That's the part that gets me so nervous. Once, but getting up and singing and dancing and making a total fool of myself, that's my sweet spot. If people ask me to make a toast, I will do it because I love that person. I am like in the bathroom hyperventilating beforehand Mm -hmm. because it's just me and a microphone. So is it the performing a piece is a little bit, is it like armor? Yeah, of course. Okay. Sing a song. Got it. uh, Then I'm a character. Great. I'm a character. So to apply it to making the movie, I was not nervous when once, uh, do I call you Captain My Captain on this or only on set? Is that? Only on set. (laughs) (laughs) Here I'm, I hear I'm your podcast liege. Once CMC said action, I was fine. I was never nervous in character, but like we would be interviewing DPs and I would be a nervous wreck because I'm like, they're going to know I'm a fraud. They're going to know I'm not, I'm an idiot. So 
that's where my anxiety falls in terms of my. If creativity. you're just being you, it's imposter syndrome, a bit. To a, to a degree. Got it. I mean, not giving okay. a toast. I know I can speak English and I can read. Sure. But what if they don't mm. like me? What if the little joke right. I wrote bombs? I mean, it'll happen someday. Someday my joke won't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that fear of authenticity because if you if they don't like the character you can always come up with another character. Mm-hmm. But if they don't like your toast that you're giving from your heart that don't, they don't like your heart. Right. Exactly. Can you connect with that Fabian or I mean or I guess really not. When when you said that you you would have, have anticipatory heart. anxiety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How early would it start? I, again, I, I I do relate to that because if I'm performing as a character or doing a bit that is something that's like, you know, the servicing somebody else's material and I'm just the the channel for that, like the the medium for that, that is different. I don't worry about that nearly as much. It is when I have written something, created something, like my songs were all songs that I had written. And right. so that definitely gave me way more way more anxiety. And I would even performing those songs, I was way more comfortable performing for 900 people in a theater than I was performing for 10 people in a living room. I would get more nervous doing it for less people. If I could see their faces and there was like a... Right. It's just, yeah. there's something about the anonymity that that helps you go, oh, you know, I'm going to blow this out of the water. I mean, it's really this really weird kind of extreme ego. Like I'm hilarious and I'm gifted and I have to share it with the world. Like you go into it expecting that you're going to crush and, and you're imagining everybody laughing and you're imagining this is going to be one of the greatest things they've ever done. And then you know, the reality of it, if someone is not laughing or when you hear bad feedback on something, like feedback that you mm. were not expecting, that is where, that's what gives me anxiety in, po- like, post-anxiety. Does that make After Does that make 100%. sense? Yeah. yeah. Like, I get a little nervous about going and performing or doing something because, like, I don't know, but usually I'm pretty optimistic. This is going to be great. And it's only after the fact when, like, people are like, really? That? That that's wrecks me. It, of it, course. And, and it triggers, it, that's when the anxiety starts to go. Who are you inviting that you're getting that response? That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Patrick. Um, my mom, my sisters, you know, yeah. to go to. You, you and I never agree on anything, you know, oh, so. That's a good point. <laughs> no, we find each other perfect at every turn. But family, well, the true. anxiety bundle. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's nice that you have that amount of confidence up top, because I my confidence shows up when I walk out on stage. Until then, because I There's truck in anticipatory anxiety, <laughs> and my if there was one thesis for my entire life of this podcast and therapy, I've said it before, is I need to be better about attributing past success and applying it to future confidence. Mm-hmm. Because every time I'm about to go out, or in the days leading up to, say, Mandy's show miscast, it's like, this is the one that takes me down. <laughs> and like I've done, the last five things have gone great, but this is the one that's going to be a problem. And for a few nights usually it happens at night or days uh before show night i keep i go through this thing where i'm like why am i doing this to myself i wonder I too and, and I'm i being, hate this why am i doing mm-hmm. this to myself i'm being sincere tommy i'm not making a joke yeah. when you tell me which you always spare me knowing you're suffering and then after the show you're like oh i got sick yesterday and i didn't yeah. sleep and i i always wonder why does he say yes when i ask him because 
it seems to be pure torment. For me, it's nerves. It, it's like a, ooh, I'm really nervous. Maybe I have a little right. sweat. I, ooh, and then I'm fine. But for you, it's like a real thing. It's worth it when I'm up on stage. I think part of me is ironically the most me when I'm up on stage, mm-hmm. but I'm so worried about it moving up, you know, leading up to it. The anticipation is so bad. There have been times when I'm like, is this worth it? But it so is. I mean, because you see me what coming home from a coming home. I call backstage home <laughs> oh, the theater <laughs> when I come backstage after a thing and you see me like bouncing yeah. up and down and like that lasts for like a long time. I love it. I, I just I think it's something that I just need. I need to be better at controlling anticipation stuff that's out of my control. I think this just became your intervention. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. I have a I letter I'd like to this read. This is six straight seasons of our yeah. intervention. What I also Please. think is really interesting is that, and, and this is a phenomenon that you hear again and again, especially when you're performers, like, Tommy, you would never know that you were that nervous. You would never know. Mm-hmm. You are always on point and hilarious, and you seem so confident, and you play every joke, and you're just like, you're such a pleasure to watch, which usually... What is not a pleasure to watch is someone who's dying inside, right? Right. <laughs> I, and, yes. and I go in the same thing where, like, there are times I'm like blackout nervous during a performance because I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't remember the chords, blah blah blah. And then afterwards, people are like, oh, I never, I never knew, I never noticed. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're inverse in that way. Is I am dark night of the soul until it starts, <laughs> and then it's like, then it just sort of takes over. And that's what I'm sometimes, I don't know if I, I said I'm the most me, that maybe that's not true, but just, I really do have a lot of confidence. It just waits to show up. <laughs> I think my, my confidence is solar, is like light powered. So it's fueled by a spotlight <laughs> until then I'm just screaming in the dark. <laughs> None of us can decide how we will be remembered, what our legacy will ultimately be. And apropos to today's episode, this can ring especially true for artists. The writer's name has been largely lost to history, but that wasn't always the case. For a time, he was the toast of New York City and London. And one line of dialogue found in his work helped change American history forever. His name was Tom Taylor, and he was born in Sunderland, England. And while he found success as a professor and a magazine editor, his true passion was in theater. Writing and producing a large number of plays, he eventually found resounding success in a fish-out-of-water play, he wrote, about a crass American traveling to the United Kingdom to collect his inheritance. Originally written as a drama, the play eventually transformed into a farcical comedy, due in part to Taylor's adapting of his text and the actor's improvisations. One line in particular always resulted in uproarious laughter, when the boorish American character Asa Trenchard scolds the condescending Mrs. Mount Chessington by exclaiming, I know enough to turn you inside out, old gal, you sockdologizing old man trap. The line killed every time. As the play gained in popularity, enjoyed a successful run in New York City for seven years, even traveling to other American cities. It also opened later in London to equal success. And after all of the plays he'd written, surely, thought playwright Tom Taylor, this is what I will be remembered for. This is my legacy. 
And yet the play is rarely ever performed, and Tom Taylor's legacy has not gone down in history as a beloved playwright. In fact, if anything, that one line, the one about the sockdologizing old man trap that made audiences scream with laughter, is known for something else entirely different than its comedic intent. For the play was called Our American Cousin. And on April 14, 1865, at the Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., John Wilkes Booth timed his assassination of President Abraham Lincoln to the exact moment the audience roared with laughter at Tom Taylor's line of dialogue in order to cover up the sound of the gunshot and give him time to leap to stage and escape. Understandably, audiences' desires to see our American cousin dwindled after that, and soon the work was largely forgotten. None of us can decide how we will be remembered in history. But you can decide how you want to be remembered by the makers of this podcast. Why not stop all the sockdologizing and become a What's That Smell Panic Pal today? For just a one-time contribution of $35, what? Yep, $35 you will help cover the cost for making Season 6. And you'll get early access to episodes, special member-only bonus episodes, a signed best friend certificate, I forgot to take a good breath, <laughs> a sheet of anxiety coupons to trade with your friends, and so much more. We love making this podcast, but it is not free to do so. So go down in history as a panic pal today and help us cover the costs of season six. Just go to whatsthatsmell.net and click on the panic pal button today and your destiny shall be fulfilled. Thank you. And now back to the show. Have any of you ever, uh, have any of you ever had been so nervous about something that you uh, elected not to do it? Whether it's a toast uh, at an event or... Uh, but something uh, performative, you mean? Something performative. Not that I can recall because I do believe in taking on challenges. I've said no to things that made me too nervous. Just, you know, uh, I I can't even think of a good example. But no, that but makes me absolutely too nervous. So I'm going to say no up front and not do that. But I've never, like, canceled something or dropped out or backed out because Got you it. said yes to something up front and then we're just not able to function as you got closer to it yeah i yeah okay i'm a person I, who gets things done i really am so yeah well that's so, but i'm also a person who will yeah. no so if it's something right. that's yeah. like too scary but that's I'll just an say enormous no. amount of like self-awareness to be able to say that like that's huge yeah. I, authentically <laughs> thank you yeah She's able yeah. to be a people pleaser and yet also know herself when mm-hmm. when that should be overruled. You know, the people pleasing Thank thing you. for her own self-preservation. I'll yeah. Which is a, I mean, in this climate, yeah. actually, like some of my biggest nerves about doing the podcast and doing a live show are, will I offend? Will I say something sarcastic that will be accidentally horribly racist? Will I do something that will turn the world on its ear and and make everybody hate me and that's a genuine fear because i don't always think before i speak i'm always trying for a laugh and then what if i push it too far so that fear has way um eclipsed my fear of like what if i'm not good enough or what if they don't like me it's like what if i really offend you can't really say anything anymore apparently you could say the s word a bunch but not, not the P word. <laughs> P, P is P off word. the no. table. Fabian, <laughs> yeah. have you ever have you ever uh, jumped ship at the last minute because of unfortunately nerves? no. Um, it's I, not unfortunate. That's amazing. Well, but I also have said yes to something that I just 
honestly, I don't even know if I thought I could do it, but I figured, well, the invitation came. I'll give it a shot. Like, I have <laughs> offered <laughs> complete lack of self awareness. Oh my God. Mandy yeah. says no. yes to everything to her detriment. I, I she, truly. Oh, really? Yes. She doesn't want to say no and hurt people's feelings. In recent years, you have been better about that. But there was a oh, time yeah. when she would be like, I committed to four different things all in one day because I couldn't say no. And she's she used to just put herself well, out wow. there. Well, that's its own form of social anxiety and social pressure, like that fear of letting somebody down. Yeah, that's I don't liken that to performance, though. I usually yeah. I usually honestly just thought, well, how hard could stand up be? Like I've said yes to doing stand up sets when I don't do stand up, but I am Oof. now expected to talk for 15 minutes and be funny and I go for it, you know, and I <laughs> have bombed more than once. Like that's the whole, and that let that be the operative phrase. More than once. Yeah. So I went and did stand up. <laughs> and then a couple years later, people are like, you want to come right. do stand up? I'm like, why not? And there's at least one good reason why not. Pain and... fades. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You have two children. Pain fades. Pain fades. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fabian, you're not wanting to back either now or back when it was a little bit worse. You're not wanting to turn things down. Was it not wanting to let people down or not wanting to miss an opportunity or a mix of both? Those those are your three options. I think if you're asking, like, why do we do this to ourselves when it makes us so nervous? For me, the answer is I still get some kind of sick pleasure by doing the unthinkable. By being brave enough to do something that's s your pants worthy you know like I, I think there's some thrill in that for me like i like to problem solve and 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 i've gotten some really great experiences by doing something that i'm like oh, can i do that like can i sing a legit song i don't know maybe like i've gotten some some incredible experiences doing something i have no business doing but it worked out and that's very affirming yeah but yeah I, but of course, I don't remember those. I remember bombing at stand-up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. to, to answer your question, Pete, have I dropped out of something that I performative that I've committed to because of nerves? No, but that's because I know myself well enough to know that that will just compound it. That will make the next thing so much exponentially harder. Of course. Uh, I, and yeah. yeah. I, I think I I think I asked that question as as a leading questioner to make sure that I'm not oh. crazy because I I don't think I have ever either and and instead I live with the regret of having bombed at something that I should not have have done in the first what place was it? like why did I I don't I okay in college I was asked by a dear friend who's a jazz uh, who is a jazz performance major and he said hey you play the piano do you want to come accompany me uh, at uh, in my my senior thesis performance oh and no i'll be singing standards and i'm like i, I might have read a chart once sure <laughs> why would i say that like i don't i don't play that sort of piano i didn't play that sort of piano at 20 or, or 19 right i was like i was just a dumb like i was just a thing and and it was that fabian what you were just talking about it's that like there's a spotlight on and if I'm not in it, then who else will? Like, I feel like I'm kind of just, like, that is a spotlight in search of talent, and I could, it might as well be me, <laughs> even though that was totally foolish. And so I shoulda, I shoulda jumped out at, at that at the last minute, and instead I live with the regret still talking about it with you today, 27 years later, 28 years later, and uh, I remember, like, uh, just really destroying my peas 
uh, on on stage because I was not equipped. I was not equipped to, to to do what I do. And as a result, you know, honestly, the good that comes out of it is now I can read a jazz chart and I'm pretty good at it. Like I can get through some, I can get through my sevens just fine, you know. But but uh, as you wake up every night screaming and playing yeah, jazz in the yeah, air, right? But here's the other thing: the the guy that I, the guy that I was uh, that I was accompanying, uh, he is now a professor at Berkeley College of Music, and we got together and he did not know how to play jazz piano at the time and his memory of that event is just of gratitude like he does not remember that i was terrible at all and as a result he said hey pete guess what i play jazz piano now and i'm like do you not did you black out during that performance (laughs) it's entirely possible right it is entirely possible and i am grateful for that so you you bring up something i think is really interesting that that I think that also we don't have a sense of how we're actually doing. You you may not have been as awful <laughs> as you think, right? We are the worst Possible. judges. Yeah. 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 That's the th- that was pretty bad. Yeah. But okay. I mean, I, I, your point is well taken. <laughs> you know, I remember in college, I I I was cast in the lead in Commedia dell'arte, <laughs> and that's a oh. true statement uh what are the what is the, what are those i've heard that phrase before but i don't know what it means comedian it's art. like mask and clown work yeah so what? it was yeah. it was we were doing king stag and i was a sophomore and i got the lead did everybody get that part when i <laughs> the, the when lead. you edit got this it. will you put like the lead 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 i want a little echo on that yeah, thanks a little echo and we'll I, play a clip i put actually some real horns on like it. sabotaged <laughs> myself because i was like i'm terrible like this is out this is above my pay grade i'm not good at this. And I went to the director crying and I was like, maybe you should recast this part. So I did try to back out somewhat, I guess. And he was like, no, don't worry about it. You just need to let go. You need to let go. And I think it performed like four nights or something. And after the first two nights, I was like, I made myself sick. I was crying. I was like, I feel embarrassed. The third night, uh, I had like food poisoning or something horribly wrong with me. And there was a bucket off stage and I would be on stage and I would go pick up my mask and puke and run back on stage. Like the movie Camp. Yeah. And the director... Sorry, we we, we have to bring up the movie Camp every episode. I don't know if you guys are avid yeah. listeners. <laughs> Didn't yeah. add that. Okay. So I was mortified and I was... After the show, I was crushed and like sipping a ginger ale and rocking back and forth. Just so sad. And the director came up and said... Whatever you did tonight, that's the performance I've been waiting for. You were incredible. Oh, and do you I take think that it was because you were out of your head? Yep. I had God. to let go. You're like wiping a carrot off the corner my, of your mouth. Yeah, gross. Yeah, I was just like, don't puke, don't puke, don't puke, and saying my lines. I was not like, you know, I let go, and wow. then from then on, I try not to judge my own performance because we just. Never know. I was mortified, and he said it was brilliant. Wow. Do you have trouble, both of you, do you have trouble watching yourselves? Like, if it's on tape? Or does that, are you able to either treat yourself nicely or distance yourself, or do you just kind of avoid... I I have an answer for this. Uh, Oh. I think, I don't think Fabian... Uh, watches herself, but I don't think it's because she has trouble with it. I think it's because she's moved on to something else. And I think Kathleen has a library of her of her greatest hits that she has on repeat. <laughs> what do you think? Did I get Nailed close? It. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good guess. Uh, yeah. Where is the? I've blacked out the mirror in my own bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> 
I never want to see myself. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. I don't you- choose to watch it, but I'm, I, you know, I, okay. I watch it like, oh God, am I okay? Am I okay? Oh, I'm okay. Do you sure. really? Do you really? Because you seem like you're, you're like just like with it, you're with yourself enough that you, you would not be one of those who, who can't watch themselves. I definitely go back and forth. You know, having made a feature film starring myself, there are moments I'm like, I'll be damned, I'm adorable. You know, Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> yep. look out. And then there are moments that I want to stab myself through the throat for even existing and letting somebody put me on screen. So <laughs> there's both. Usually it's never as bad as I thought it was. You know what I mean? So I don't, I mean, I get, you You really are correct. There are things I've done that I haven't even watched. Like there's, I don't, I don't always go back to it because I've moved on. But if I do watch something, I it's honestly usually like, oh, okay. I don't, you know, but but that doesn't then translate into I deserve to do this and I should be like, it's very, very funny how I've continued to do it. But I definitely, I mean, live da- live daily with that. Like, I should be a teacher, right? I mean, <laughs> let's, I fantasize about it. Oh, my God. I look at one ads sometimes. I'm like, well, what would it be like to manage a restaurant, though? Like, what would that be like? I, <laughs> it sounds dumb, but like, I really, anything that I can imagine that wouldn't make you go, oh, God, I took that order horribly or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or like I'm awful with these children. Like I just, it would be great to have a job that you're not constantly going. Ugh, you know. What well, oh, can I totally. get you to drink? I'm sorry. Let me take that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're on. just constantly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Well, just on that note, telling yeah. the story this time, I'm like, did my director poison me? <laughs> like I'm just. Re- uh, this oh, is thirty years after the fact, and I'm like, that's grim. Huh, he got that's your motivation. The performance he wanted. <laughs> that's uh, subversive, and and I'm I think about that like the things that motivate you to start a new project, like to mm. write the first word of a new script creation. Or, yeah, the act of creation. If you turn from just like the performative aspects to okay, I have this idea. And I think it's going to be something. It's a seed, and I'm going to plant it, and I'm going to love it, and I'm going to see what comes of it. Uh, I I was listening to uh, a comedian who was talking about this was just two weeks ago, uh, who said, "I uh, I have this great idea right now, and it's something I started writing the first couple of lines, and then I thought, eh, like you know, people hate new things right now, so I'm just not going to do that." And I thought, "Oh my god." Like to to Mandy's uh, point, Kaplan's point about like you you, you know the the uh, people coming after you for your creations, right? For offending people or not, do, you know, do, doing what they expect, whatever. Like that just seemed so horribly sad to me. Uh, and I'm I wonder if you guys uh, ever face some of that. How do you approach the the blank page right now? Like, and and I mean right now, like literally today. How do you approach? the blank page when it comes to creating something for for me it, it i still get really really excited about an idea like if if i still get really excited about a really good idea and 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 then i i it won't let me go like 
it's sort of just, and it's a habit at this point, right? Like it's what I do. It's like my identity. It's what I've always done. And I, and I've, I really like when I get anxious, the first question, like I said, I should go be a teacher, but no, like the first question is like, why am I doing this? But that's the answer is that if I can get, because at the end of the day, you know, uh, getting to do it is so fun. It's just fun. And whether you're going to send it around or and everyone's going to see it or no one's going to see it, I always start with just the the process of it. Like, I do love the process of it. I love the process of rehearsal and and mining something and making each other laugh. And that that process is so great that almost the end part of it isn't even as meaningful to me. You will never hear this again, America. But I agree entirely with what Mandy just said. <sighs> Unprecedented. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I don't think I have ever heard from a bank teller. Like, I just can't not make change. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, that's something I think that's unique to this field. I can't focus on what, what will this get me in the end? Because, frankly, things that we write are very rarely produced and made yeah. and right they fairly they rarely come to the fruition. odds are terrible the yeah. odds are yeah. really really bad so i write the things that i love to write and that make me have fun and a sense of enjoyment and collaboration and i very rarely write alone because i really feed off of collaboration and but yeah i some some days i'll like i wrote a joke the other day in a script and i'm still giggling about it <laughs> you you people will never hear that joke. It'll never see the light of the day, probably. Wait, but I want to hear that joke like right no, now. Mm-mm. What was the no, joke? Too much setup. But I love <laughs> when I when my brain does that. I I'm happy. Yeah. Let me ask you you and and Tom a question. Um, you finished Thirty Nights to Save Your Marriage. I had a delightful time with that movie, by the way. I know, Thank I think you. I'm on, I'm on the record as as having uh, deeply enjoyed that movie. Did you watch it on Tubi, where it's available right now? I watched it on Amazon Prime, okay, uh, where it is at this point not Correct. available, as I understand yes. it. Right? How do you feel about that movie now? It's been a long time since you wrapped, and it's been out. Like, how do you feel about your experience with it, and how has that influenced your, um, you know, your engine for whatever's next? It is still the hardest thing that I've ever done, and it's still the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, one of the big things, it's been a real great learning experience of compassion for myself because I really spent a lot of time beating myself up over it. All the choices, all the decisions that I made. And I don't mean to say like I lorded over. Uh, it was a collaboration, but the buck does stop with the director to a certain extent. And, you know, I was, I could only see it for his faults. I could only see it for laziness, things I should have done differently, things that I didn't have once we got into post. And that became so much that it flipped over into, oh, okay, so we could either just go insane or I could start being nice to myself, seeing it for what it is, seeing for how much we were able to accomplish with very little money, with no time, all of these things. Um, And it was a first for so many things. It was a hundred firsts. And so... To always think about it that way, when I can be in that frame of mind, there are some sequences in the movie that I'm still so proud of, so happy for. And what I also have to remember is I enjoyed the production of it so much. 
pre-production is always hard. Post-production was a particular nightmare <laughs> inducing situation for us for some we're, of the things. We're thinking of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the same person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the actual production and leading that entire cast and crew was just magical. And so life affirming, so gave me so much confidence. I'm so much of a stronger person as a result because I didn't, there was going into it. It was like, will I have a nervous breakdown? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and I didn't once. He was magnificent. Not even once. He yeah, surprised That's a very me. long answer. I but. think Tommy left his body and I'm not being sarcastic. He, he was different. He was, he was relaxed. He was confident. He was calm when fires would erupt. He would be like, okay, we got to put this fire out. Let's figure that out. He was not anxious. He was in control. His crew trusted him completely. His cast trusted him completely. And knowing him as well as I do, I was worried that he would have a nervous breakdown, honestly, or that he would say, I didn't sleep a wink last night, or, you know, I've, <laughs> I haven't left the bathroom in three days. But he was, he was so, uh, wonderful and inspiring. Um, Part of it, it felt like I was on stage. Yeah. It's it, the anticipatory right. that is the problem for me. Once I'm in it, all of that sort of goes away because it's replaced by a pretty sharp focus um, and love of doing it. And so, yeah. He's so great. I was, that was the strong part of me showing up every day, which is nice. When we were in the moment, like once we finally screened it and the screening went so well and people laughed so much and they were so moved by all the parts I did not write that had heart and sincerity and I had nothing to do with any of that, um, I felt immensely proud. And now insecurity is setting in. Now that it's a few years behind me, somebody recently was like, oh, somebody who could influence my career in a great way was like, oh, I want to watch your movie. And I was like, yeah, sure. Watch, watch my movie on Tubi. And I sent the link and I felt myself going, what if it's not good? What if he hates me? What if he, you know, and, and panicking in a way that coming off the high of people seeing it and giving us great feedback, I would have shouted it from the rooftops to see this movie. But now a few years later, I've like, my insecurity has seeped in. I, that I'm glad you said that because that was that was going to be my question uh as as someone who is like watching along during the production and like being involved in kind of as it was happening because i am so close to tom for some reason and that, that like i just i just really enjoyed the whole process of watching that. i was so immensely proud uh, that of of watching you guys bring that thing to life that when he sent the text fairly recently that Amazon was pulling it. Um, I was, I was devastated. Like I was, I was devastated. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but I felt like it was such a blow to, to me. Like I took it personally and I can, I, I was like in this place of saying, gosh, I, I hope Tom isn't lighting his apartment on fire. Like I really, <laughs> like it was just, uh, crushing. And so that, that is the hidden impetus to that question. Like when things like that happen, knowing how ridiculously noisy the the movie space is for independent films for all film like does that have an impact on how you think about you know revving that engine for the next thing it cannot it's it's too you know the, we're all wired to do this and you in a way even though we all 
part of our habit is this anxiety around it. You know, that's just a habit, right? Like, I think it's like at some point you go like, well, am I doing this or am I not doing it? Like, I'm obviously not really applying for teacher jobs or looking to go back to grad school for that. Like, no, that's just a stupid way that I deal with anxiety that's not just like, head on right so the monster talk yeah like of course you're gonna like and be clean about it right like lick your wounds and move on are you yeah i i mean you know are you in or are you out and if you're in then of course you're gonna move on to your next project unless you had a revelation like you know i do i do know that like i loved directing my movie more than anything it was my most favorite experience of my life hands down hands down greatest thing i've ever done but as i was doing it it was so hard it was so hard that i was actually feeling kind of giddy thinking yeah but if i never have to do this again it's so hard i mean you know like there (laughs) was almost this gift of like well you know maybe i'll never have to do this again because it fails you know um because it's a lot it's a lot of work so but but if yeah. you're motivated to do that work and if you're inspired and if you find the right people, it's like life, right? I mean, you can't plan or know what anything is going to be like. But if you are inspired in this moment to do something that feels like a an expression of your authenticity and your artistry right now, right here today, that's what everybody does. It's just that some people become Picasso or, you know, you know the guy who did all the dance companies and Martha Graham. Not a guy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I was going with Bill T. Is it Jones, Bob and then I went. Are we going anyway. with Fosse? No, but, it was okay. Alvin Ailey. <laughs> Alvin Ailey. Okay. But you know, I mean, I think like some people are so lucky that they're genetically wired with that. Like, well, you didn't like it. Well, forget you. I'll go. I'll go find somebody who does. And they just they have this. They're able to not be anxious about anything ever. Some people are actually wired that way. But if you are not you have to somehow find your way toward, I'm going to take a step into this dark, terrifying cave because I know there's yogurt there, right? <laughs> Don't we all look for the yogurt in the cave? I think you get the what I'm saying. The cave yogurt? Yeah. yeah I think you, absolutely. I think you get what I'm saying. Wasn't that Socrates who said that? I really... <laughs> Tommy, would you write that down? We're going to have to do a whole show on cave yogurt another time. Another time. Table it, but... It actually sounds yogurt. pretty gross when you Jesus. say it like that, but I just really love yogurt, so... <laughs> Well, that that gets to I think your earlier question, Tom, and I'm 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 really glad we landed there because it's like when you're thinking about you know tips. This is so much beyond tips, like but strategies to to sort of manifest that that motivation to move through the things that make you anxious, the things that are hard. I, I don't know I don't know very many working creators and actors who don't feel that experience of one being so just genuinely emotionally sort of open and empathetic to the world in order to practice the craft and also so cold and closed off that they can move through criticism with ease those two things that's like high jump low ceiling to to me like i i don't know how that exists and so given that construct like how do you wake up every day if you're listening to the show what can you take away from this experience and and make, you know, 8 a.m. Monday morning just a little bit easier. I do the opposite of the secret. Uh, (laughs) She does cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) And I play out the negative results. I really envision them. I go into this meeting 
and puke all over the person I'm meeting with. What happens then? They'll never forget me. I'll apologize. I'll have the best story of all time to share with the world when I'm Once I've stopped crying and chain-smoking cigarettes in the fetal position, I can share this with the world as an experience that I'll never forget. And I really try to envision that. And So it's kind of like the how bad can it really get and how that won't kill you and something will come out of that. I will live. I do it with my son when he's nervous and I'm like, will you live? If you, you know, if you get a bad grade, will you live? If you don't get the part you want in the play. And he's like, yes, I'll live. And it's like, you have to, keep that perspective. And by playing it out, like when my singers get nervous before miscast and I'll say like, all right, go through it. You get up there, you forget every word to your song. What do you do? And once you practice that and once you're like, okay, I go, stop. I had a total brain fart. I need to start my song over and you all need to cheer for me so I don't have a breakdown. The audience starts cheering. The accompanist has got your back. You take a deep breath and you start your song over. And it's a story. It becomes a part of your history. And once everybody realizes that, that very, very rarely happens in my show. And if it does, great. Who cares? It's a great story. So, and audiences, even though we're so afraid of that, audiences like a bit of that mm-hmm. because it's something that isn't can. Right. It's something that only they got to see. Right. So that's what I tell you know, myself. And they love that a comeback. I, if I envision right. all the bad things that can happen, they tend to not happen. That's really interesting. Thank you. Because you, you, you usually <laughs> hear about just visual, visualize your success. Visualize your success. That's really interesting. How bad can it be? Well, what if the garage door closes on me? <laughs> well, you'd probably be bruised. What if the garage door is made of razor blades? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's where I go. Well, Keep at least you're not anxious anymore. What if then I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> what if I'm struck by lightning at the same time? Mm-hmm. Bleeding out is kind of calming (laughs) for me because I want to go boy, girl, boy, girl, and then I'll go. And then Mandy, Fabian, I want you to go. Bleeding out is calming. I can't get past that. One of the, what the bleeding out is calming. Um, One of the things that I've really been trying to get better at and inhabit, uh, and it's hard, it's really hard for me, is I am not my performance and I am not my project. That those are, it is an endeavor. It's something that I can try as hard as I can on. If it doesn't go perfectly, that doesn't mean I'm a mess. It just means I forgot all the words to clang, clang, clang goes the trolley, which is a true story. (laughs) Many times. And I'm still here. I haven't been on a trolley ever since. Uh, But um, yeah, that I am not my bra. It's just me putting myself out there. And if it doesn't go well, that one performance didn't go as well. It's not a reflection on me as a whole. I'm desperately trying to get better at that. I'm going to piggyback off that because I I find that there's um there are lots of books and things. There's a great book called The War of Art. Um, oh my God, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Oh, that's like my slightly inebriated uncle kicking my ass. Yeah. I love that so much. It's a great book. I think like Elizabeth Gilbert has Big Magic. I really she love does. her book. Big Magic. There, yeah, there's that people that have good. some really good books that can give you a nice shot in the arm if you just need to pick me up. I have learned for myself that what really works for me is tantrums. So the low-grade anxiety does not <laughs> go away unless I amp it up to like 12. So I can, okay. I can do it in writing. I can have a tantrum. I I have friends I can voicemail tantrums and just like be like, here we go. <laughs> and just yeah. every, it's not fair. 
and I should have and why me and I'm a horrible like just I actually have to get it all out on paper or out of my mouth or out of my body and have a full on fit and then I feel better. And I can't tell you, like, it is the craziest. It may seem really psychotic, but it is the only thing that really, like, that well, some... it's like you're putting yourself through an exorcism. Yeah, it makes my body and my brain line up and go, really? That's a bit much. And then for the first time, I can actually be clean for a minute. Like, it builds up like plaque, but it's almost like you just go, ah, and then it yes. goes, it, it feels You've like it's been You've gone to heard. the emotional dentist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, in the middle of a Ralph's. <laughs> That's that's, and then you're asked to leave, and you throw another. And you're dancer. covered in flour. Right. But yeah. I'm like, wait, yeah. I wanted it's to sign thing. up for the open mic night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a new material. I I think that's really important, and I've been I've been, I mean we've talked about this before. Just getting to the other side of grief and and trauma, is, like lowercase t trauma, is just the idea of of leaning into the emotion because you can't see clearly until you get through the other side of the emotion. So you know that's all right. I really I I'm gonna uh, steal uh, Kaplan's because I think it's so great, which is the idea that e- e- that even for non-performers, having a character is really valuable sort of armament mm-hmm. to doing something you're afraid of. And that maybe maybe you just need to work on an act a little bit before you go back to your bank teller job or, you know, whatever it is. Like having 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 a thing that you can you can latch onto and practice and sort of be uh in that space when you're nervous is super useful. So I I really like that. You guys, mm. Pete has a weird thing for bank tellers. Yeah. It's really coming through. I really am perseverating yep. on banking today. <laughs> Fascinating. You guys, this was great. You're wonderful. We Thank love you. you so much for joining us, Mandy's. We really appreciate it. Thank you. What's that smell? What, do you do? You, would you like to plug your your show? Something? Anything? Yeah. It's. I was going to say the S your P's show, but it's not. Um, <laughs> but you get plenty of those stories. Uh, we yeah. We'll come and listen to the Mand Cave. It's um. I'm doing a great job, aren't I? We we already it's a great funny podcast that we do. <laughs> yes, and we disagree on everything and we battle it out every week and we make each other watch something that will cause spark great discussions and perhaps some claws to come out. It has been really fun. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, the Mand Cave, M-A-N-D-C-A-V-E. And Mandy and Mandy, uh, we are going to be sending your anxiety gift goodie bags <laughs> to your place. Yay! <laughs> it's just, they're just filled with the shivers and spiders and stuff. <laughs> they're awful. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thank, Thank you both you so much for joining us. Thank we you, guys. You. This was a joy. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Blow Off Some Steam by Ben Bostick. Coming up next week. I'm going to straight up like lickamade this stuff. Like I'm going to get <laughs> I'm going to get wet sticks and just start dipping. <laughs> when you're talking to all those all those 8-year-olds with potty yep. mouths or adults yep. pretending to be children. Yeah. So I will your... be there.
Here's your bedtime knives and <laughs> sniggle. <laughs> you're thinking of like those little army men with those parachutes when you're a kid? No, that's not. They're not like Where jumping off I, of trees. I, I have a beard. We're not I getting go into shave. all that stuff. I want to go like wax my whole body right now. I'm so I'm like itching. Until then, I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. Thank you so much for downloading. We'll be back next week on What's That Smell? I got to blow off some steam for a bubble 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 blow up. I got to blow off some steam for a bubble 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 blow up. I got to blow off some steam for a bubble 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 blow up. I've been holding it in through the whole work week. Now it's Saturday night and I'm about to blow. It's Saturday night and I need to bubble bubble blow off some steam.